Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Welcome back to uh, Just the Headers. I, um, you know, sometimes in life, all you really need is just the header, and uh, that's why we're we're here to give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> just the header. <laughs> just the header, and that no more. Just that, and if you stop there. You got all of what you need to make a good decision. And hopefully if you... So that's why we're giving you just the headers. And so we're giving you headline news, breaking, live, breaking news. By by Dean and Jesse. Yes, yes. <laughs> you uh, Today's show is brought to you by Demetric, uh, Lamar, and, and Jesse broke. Jesse the man. Uh, Jesse, how you been? How's your week been? It's it's been calamitous, as you as you know. It's a calamity every day, right? Yep, that's that's life, though. That is life. Life has a way of surprising you. <laughs> yeah, when you don't think you're ready to be surprised, bam! Big old balloon full of confetti and life shit. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so just when you think that there isn't more shit to hit the fan, shit just keeps coming out. (laughs) (laughs) You're asking yourself, how could there be any more shit? How can the fan still be spinning? And then you look at the walls and you're like, somebody's got to clean this up. That's life, kids. That's life. (laughs) Somebody's got to clean this up. Can't just have shitty walls. Anyways, uh. Oh boy. So uh Just the Headers is a show where we bring you the headlines in the previous week of, of uh what's been going on in this crazy crypto ecosystem. Uh stuff like nine ETFs get rejected all at once by the SEC. The same SEC that approved an ETF, a three D printing ETF, because um, you know, why not? But you know, you can buy an ETF that represents uh the I don't know, overall index of the 3D printing industry, but you can't get a Bitcoin ETF. But nevertheless, Bitcoin is impenetrable and impervious to things. That's one of the many stories you, you might hear. Um, yeah. How do you describe just the headers, Jesse? Yep. Did you just say yes as your description? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did. Okay. All right. <laughs> just the headers. <laughs> Yep, that's it. That's all you get in your Amazon review of just the headers. Yep, and a thumbs up. Um, okay, so stay into it. So yeah, let's let's get right into it. Uh, so last weekend, uh, you know, let's go ahead and take a look at this first article here. Um. 
this is coming from Bitcoin.com. When they're not uh, flooded with Roger Ver's memes of himself saying Bitcoin cash is Bitcoin, uh, some of them are writing news articles. It's hard to believe they're not swayed, but nevertheless, this one's coming from C. Edward Kelso. Uh, not to be confused uh, with uh, Kelso from That 70s Show. It has 25,246 views. Uh, over 60% of the top 100 cryptocurrencies. Uh, for you guys that aren't quick with it, that is 60 out of 100 of <laughs> the top 100 cryptocurrencies have no working product. There's a picture of a landfill, a study claims. So let's read a little bit. Of the top 100 cryptocurrencies listed by market cap, only 36 are, are, are actually, what the authors term, working products in a, in a study recently published online. Newer ecosystem website, invest in big blockchain, commission the study. So, so invest in blockchain is a website. Um, it's sure to be debated and, and hotly as to which coins made the cut to 36, but the authors attempted to assure readers certain standards were applied across the board in order to make the determination. Much of the cryptosphere is a giant dumpster fire. That is in the article. <laughs> it's not It's not false. It's not false. Have you ever seen a dumpster fire? I've never seen a dumpster fire. Neither have I, but I can imagine it's glorious. Um... Oh, there's a picture of a dumpster fire. It's as glorious as I'd imagined. It's melting the paint on the outside of the dumpster. Uh, have you ever wondered who owns the waste management company? The WM that you see everywhere? Mm, no. Oh, I I wonder that because it's like, man, that guy is probably stupid rich. Like, he's the only one willing to roll up his sleeves and get in the, in the dumpster. So, anyways... Mm. um. Cryptocurrencies that didn't make the list that are in uh that didn't make the list of that that aren't a part of the dumpster fire dash uh dash is a dumpster fire oh no wait dash is not a dumpster fire uh ox protocol ardor auger banker bat bbix binance bitcoin bitcoin cash bitshares bitcoin decred ethereum golem weeby token komodo kucoin shares kyber network litecoin loom network Monero, Nano, Neo, Pivix, Polymath, Pundi X, Qtum, Ripple, Sciacoin, Steam, Stellar, Tether, Wanchain, Wave Zcash, and Zen Cash. Hashtag not investment advice. Yeah, I feel like this is out of those projects. They're not, not a lot of them are, um, I don't know, they don't make any sense. Like if, if Hobie coin is on there, okay, Binance is on there as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, Tether's on there. Hmm. Polymath is on there, which is interesting. Polymath is going through some troubles with the SEC, but that's because why I think is, they're direct competition with the SEC. Right? Mm, What's the why point is Bitcoin of the, on there? Uh, why is Bitcoin on there? Uh, yeah. I think Bitcoin's on there because it's its own blockchain. It's been one for a long time, and I think it does a large amount of transactions per second. Mm. Um, but then again, no one why knows. Why is Ripple on there? Because Ripple... Is not a cryptocurrency. Ripple is, Ripple is a company. XRP is the cryptocurrency, and it's totally decentralized. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm just saying what they say. Ripple's not the currency. Ripple is just a company. XRP is the currency. Please stop calling it Ripple, Jesse. Yeah, but it's on here as Ripple. Well, you know what? 
you need to take that up with Bitcoin.com because that's. And got I thought waves. I, th- I thought the waves platform was hacked. You know what? You're speaking truths, but Bitcoin.com is not trying to hear it because Roger Ver owns it, and truth doesn't seem to be something that he likes. Ah, uh, okay. So. Okay. Oh boy. So, speaking of truth. Uh, Bitcoin ETFs are a terrible idea, says Andreas Antonopoulos. Uh, so C. Edward Kelso dropping two dimes in one day. Are you familiar with the phrase dropping dimes? Yep. Okay, cool. Dropping two dimes in one day. Uh, announcing this week, he intended to burst the ecosystem's bubble. Both in, there is an overuse of quotations in the journalistic integrity of the whole cryptocurrency community. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's, there's the quotations on burst and bubble, announcing and Lambos, like and Lambos, and to the moon and all that. So, um, yeah, okay, a lot of quotations from Andreas in Antonopoulos. Uh, he revealed he believes Bitcoin exchange traded funds are a terrible idea because that's how he would say it. ETFs are a terrible idea. Uh. The author of the Internet of Money and the seminal master in Bitcoin does think Bitcoin ETFs are coming. Uh, but he also suggests Bitcoin ETFs mean kind of a financialization that runs directly counter to the entire point of Bitcoin specifically and cryptocurrency generally. You thumbs up or you thumbs down on exchange traded funds? Mm. Takes you a long time to ponder. Oh, did you ask me a question? I did ask you a question. Oh. You were in like another. You were in the phantom zone. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't hear the uh, question because I think <laughs> it might have broken up, and I was also reading a chunk of the article. Okay, that's <laughs> all good. <laughs> it's all good in the neighborhood. Um, what uh, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on exchange traded funds? Uh, I think exchange traded funds are the latch of the old financial system onto crypto. So, I mean, they're good in the way that they'll probably speed up more adoption, but they're bad because they're just sliding uh, Bitcoin and all the other crypto into um, the existing financial system and without really using, I don't know, crypto the way that they're supposed to be used, which is completely separate. Yeah. It's you're absolutely right. That's the one thing about markets that there's that old saying, like the only thing rational about markets is that they're irrational. Yeah. Like if you look at the derivatives market, it literally means like derived value. So like basically somebody gets on a whiteboard and he's like, Hey, you see this thing that has value. Let's insert five math equations and then we can let it equal this other value and let's sell that other value. And so it's like, what? Like, what do you mean a gold ETF? It's like, well, you're not buying gold. You're buying something that represents gold. And people are like, what? That sounds genius. Sign me up for the thing that's not gold. And so (laughs) when you think of like, you think of the rationale of that, it's like so counterintuitive. Like for people to think, oh, Bitcoin ETF? You tell me it's not Bitcoin, but it kind of it represents Bitcoin. Sign me up. I don't want to own the actual thing. 
I want to own a piece of paper that says it's the thing. But, yeah, do you ever wonder? Because, like, for me, I'm not an econ- economist, so I don't really understand the the rationale. Um, I can just kind of look at it from a liquidity standpoint. Like, I mean, if you introduce some sort of, like, derivative on top of the underlying asset class, all, aren't you just introducing more liquidity to that market? That is the overall idea, yes, is that more people will have access to the market and prop up the actual entities that are purchasing and owning the commodity uh, by offering these derivative value entities, these these little shares or securities or whatever you, whatever you may call it, of the thing, right? So 10 people can buy into the thing at once instead of 10 people buying one of the things. But doesn't that, I mean, if the, if the foundation is owned by actual people who buy crypto, wouldn't, wouldn't people who purchase ETFs that are based on top of crypto, uh, wouldn't they be subject to more dramatic swings if the underlying asset value is, um, unstable, I guess? Like if, 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 if this is like a, like a, like a really tall tower of Jenga, right? The people who actually own the underlying assets, wouldn't they be, closer to the foundation of stability versus the people who are buying ETFs which are toward the top of the Jenga tower? That seems logical to me, yes. Yes, it so does. Then, so then why wouldn't you buy the underlying asset? You know, if So like the saying. reason why people irrational. have gold ETFs is because you can't actually physically hold in that much gold. People buy billions of, billions of dollars worth of gold. We can't actually have that much gold. So that's why, you know, derivatives make sense for a physical asset like that, maybe. But mm-hmm. for a for a, for an asset like crypto, having derivatives on top of it doesn't make any sense. Cause you can like there's Just no limitations to really transporting easily. Yeah. yeah, there's no there's no limits to transporting it or storing it or any of that. Like there is with traditional, you know, paper money or um you know, rare materials. I honestly think it's just so that large financial entities could have the legal infrastructure to own uh, exposure to Bitcoin and crypto. That's what makes the most sense. But then doesn't that expose them to people who actually hold the underlying asset? Yes, it does. Actually it makes people like them. Barry Silbert gods on earth financially. Right. So, I mean, even though like say, 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 you know, big banks buy into these uh, financial instruments, these ETFs, if they ever do get approved. Um, well, they'd be a large, that- they would be vol- volume wise, they would go into a lot of people's like uh, aggressive proportion of their retirement portfolios. Right, right, like right. But IRAs, the, the, IRAs, 401ks. the closer you are to the foundation of the Jenga tower, right? So say, say the evaluation of crypto of say, let's let's talk about Bitcoin for example. Yes. Say that ETFs get passed, Bitcoin mm-hmm. gets adopted by um, major investors, and that that you know invest for you know the average Joe's portfolio, 401k portfolio, in an ETF that he doesn't even really know that much about mm-hmm. under a crypto ETF. At the end of the day, like whoever owns the underlying asset, if the price spikes, is going to profit the most, and they'll be able to move the fastest versus people who are left holding the 
really, which is the the, the real bag, which is the ETF, yeah. if that ever does get passed. Yeah. And the government right. will have to. So does the government at that point? Well, I guess I guess are they are they really setting up the foundation to orchestrate pulling the rug underneath all the Americans? Yeah, but the thing about it is, I don't know if you that that's it's only pulling the rug if a large percent of everyone's portfolio was was a was was a Bitcoin ETF. It's going to be relatively small exposure, right? Like I don't even think a financial advisor would feel comfortable if they came to you and were like, "Hey, you know what we're going to do with your aggressive portfolio? A hundred percent Bitcoin ETF, baby!" Like they would get fired instantly. Yeah, but this is global. This is not just a country. So even a small percentage, say like less than 1%, say half a percent, which is still aggressive, maybe, for for such a high-risk um, asset class. Is there a calculator for this online that I posted in the Slack? There is. Yeah. Oh, this is a great moment. Hold on. We're going to plug the Slack. <laughs> Hold on. We need a jingle. If you're feeling like the markets are a little too whack, you need to join the Slack and use the calculator. Was that good? Sure. Wait, where's okay. the calculator? Uh, it was a link I posted like two weeks ago. It could be gone oh. by now because we don't pay for Slack. We ain't rich like that. But uh, where is it? Oh, I think it's called like World Crypto Network Calculator. World Bitcoin Network Calculator. WBN Bitcoin price speculator model. This is something I've been using for years, although I can't speak eloquently about it when the time comes when I'm recording a show. I'll link it to you in the Slack, Jesse. You'll you'll get it now. Okay. Um, but you can basically introduce, like you'll see there's different um, key markets where Bitcoin can grow, important variables that could either grow or shrink the, the value of Bitcoin. And then you mm-hmm. can edit this calculator. So you can enter in proposed markets in the size of that market if you know it and then there's a little slider that shows you however much of the market that bitcoin captures it affects the price right and then there's also on there there's different variables like uh, the number of mined bitcoins uh, the number of bitcoins that you can theoretically uh, assume are lost so uh, if, if you assume that a million are lost or two million are lost, that'll affect the price. Um, the risk of a 51, 51% attack, that drops the price dramatically. But, you know, that's near, I'd say that's less than 5% nowadays. It's probably even less than that. I'm just trying to be generous here. The velocity. So uh, transaction velocity is the thing that lowers the price of something, right? Mm-hmm. Naturally. It's almost like um, a state change. You know, if you if you got a metal that's a solid, you're going to have all this fucking energy in it as it's working its way up to get it melted. And then as soon as mm-hmm. it's melted, you see all that energy just cascade down. Um, that's typically what happens with currencies is like they build up all this value. And then once people are like, you know what, we've just got to start spinning this shit, then you see the value come down quite a bit. Interesting. Um Merchant pressure, pressure. obviously, the more merchants are using something, that's going to add to the transaction volume, so that decreases the price. Uh, speculation fever, that's just hype. I don't even know how someone could quantitate that, but if they could, they could use this calculator. Uh, regulation pressure, uh, which is abnormally high right now, which is probably what is throttling the price. And then volatility fears, 
So, and you can change how much it weights, how much it affects the price. So, this is interesting. It's a very cool calculator. Uh, it was made by uh, Jimmy D'Angelo and his team. He made the best onboarding videos for Bitcoin by far until Bitcoin got so fucking ridiculous. He retired and started working for the government. So, uh, okay. That's a, so speaking of Jimmy D'Angelo, <laughs> that was a long, sorry guys. It's going to be a long show. S- sorry. What it's like to be a woman in China's get rich quick crypto culture. So this is for all the ladies. Sorry. <laughs> Is it bad that I said it like that? I don't know. I don't think so. I think they appreciate it. Yeah, this article's for the ladies in the audience. You know, looking for some news that talks to what you're going through. You know what I'm saying? So this article is written by Sa Wong. 383 tweets, 35 Reddit upvotes. Uh, so so here it is we hear a lot about women or, or the lack thereof in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space uh, confirming what many of us already suspected uh, Coindesk Q2 2018 stated the blockchain report found that only 4% of crypto investors are women in tandem the reporters regularly called the blockchain bros on the carpet for elbow women out of yet another lucrative emerging industry uh, so sorry, ladies out there. We know you have a tough time, but just sit back, listen to this. Article gets better. I think it does not. So predominantly, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I apologize, ladies. Uh, predominantly in West centric conversation, uh, gender inequality, underrepresentation at the Western crypto companies, Western blockchain conferences, and Western meetups. So uh, I am in the Western hemisphere and uh, my voice cracked because I'm sorry we treat you so bad ladies uh, how can we how can we help build a bridge Jesse so this article is pretty much just about women telling other women in the space to talk to each other and help educate each other and they're talking about how they have different communication back channels they can share ideas and one of the groups in China um, on WeChat. Mm-hmm. China's alternative to WhatsApp is called Blockchain Ladies and they talk about uh, the tech. Um, oh, yeah. So it's it's pretty, pretty much what this article is about. It's kind of bullshit, to be honest. Yeah, it, well, it's bullshit that we gotta put the ladies through this, you know what I'm saying? Is that what you're saying or are you saying something different? <laughs> I'm saying this is like Somebody in one of those back channels, those crypto back channels, and then they're just, just, this is just a fluff piece about nothing in particular, it seems. All right now. <laughs> All right now. So, uh, Sue Wan leaves us with some words of advice to the crypto community. She says that, uh, if my experience as a Chinese woman in crypto, uh, has taught me anything, and uh, I will keep reading this in my midnight jazz, uh, smooth honey voice. If my experience as a as a Chinese woman in crypto has taught me anything, it's that we need to be twice as strong and grounded. That is a link that I will not click. If we want to compete with our male counterparts, 
The unfortunate reality is that women have to work harder, project confidence, even if we're lacking it, find a different, find the right allies and work on projects where our male counterparts understand our value. So, you know, uh, my hat's off to you women. Uh, sorry that, uh, the Western civilization is treating you so poorly. All right now. Mm-hmm. I can pretty naturally get in that voice. That was I'm pretty impressed with myself. Uh so <laughs> speaking of sultry male voices in peace is what this article is about. Uh, what? The article was categorized as an opinion piece. I think okay. this is actually she might have Wait, it's written by her? It yeah, is written by yeah. her. Yeah. Okay. Are you calling her a jive turkey? Am I calling her a what? A jive a jive turkey. What is a jive turkey? Uh it's like uh you know when somebody's talking that gobbledygook. What is that? Uh, you know, like you, you know, somebody's telling you they're giving you a turkey, but they're giving you a ham, you know what I'm saying? I'd prefer ham over turkey. You know, like a jive turkey, right? It's not it's not a jive okay, so I mean it's like uh okay, it's like this. It's like when you go to put uh mustard on on something you like and then that liquid comes out first and gets all over your food and you're like, What the hell, man? I don't want no mustard juice, I want mustard mustard. That's a jive turkey. <laughs> okay. All right, speaking of sultry voices, Monday's news is going to be brought to you by the one and only Jesse Broke. Uh, Take it away for the ladies, Jesse. (laughs) All right, so Monday's news starts about Bitcoin's lightning uh, network. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Do you you have a jazz midnight rain (laughs) voice, or are you just going to go with normal? I'm going to go with normal voice. All right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to let that be your thing. You could you could be the voice, the uh, many voices person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So Bitcoin's Lightning Network is getting its own hacker camp. This article is written by Alyssa Herdig and has 332 retweets and 16 Reddit shares. You're scrolling through an online electronic store when a new drone catches your eye. Eager to fly it for real, you enter a string of numbers to submit your payment. You're not thinking at all about how, behind the scenes, it's Bitcoin that makes the impulse purchase possible. Far-fetched today? Maybe. But that's the easy sort of experience the Bitcoin developers at Chaincode Labs think is missing from the world of cryptocurrency. Even now that a much-anticipated technology layer known as Lightning Network is in beta. While it's perhaps Bitcoin's best shot at reaching mainstream adoption, it's not exactly easy to use today or as easy as developers envision it would be. That's why the group led by veterans Alex Morcos and Matt Corallo has held similar coding programs focused exclusively on Bitcoin. Developers from around the world travel to New York to learn about the intricate details of the protocol and its essential code. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if, if this is a boot camp. I, th- I think it is. It's a boot camp for blockchain developers. It's a hacker camp. Yeah, for not necessarily blockchain developers, the Lightning Network blockchain devs, right? Like those devs Mm -hmm. in particular. Yeah. The Lightning Network needs a lot of, you know, I I recently did an interview 
I'll keep this short. Bitcoin and Ethereum are like command prompt level tools right now. And can you imagine navigating Windows using the command prompt only? It would be a nightmare. Can you imagine any OS that's all command prompt? We're far from that. So, you know, all these different layers are going to need different developers that are focused. So, yeah. That was oh, insane. interesting. They're saying any and all experienced web developers are welcome to apply. No Bitcoin expertise required. So they're they're looking for people to build apps on top of what they've created, the Lightning Network. Yep. And make it more normal people accessible. Yeah. I saw a tweet this week. I thought you'd love it. And it said, mm -hmm. if we changed computer science in high school, if we changed the name of it to computer science to video game development, we would have entire generations full of software developers. If they change software engineering to video game developing? Well, and at the high school level or the middle school level, instead of calling it computer science or not computer science, calling it, um, I don't know, what the hell do they even call it in high school? Computer programming? Instead of calling it computer programming, you call it video game uh, design? Whole generations, just hordes of youngsters. Hmm. I think there it's are a lot of games, though. Oh yeah, but programming a game is how you learn what people like. Programming a game is how you learn to navigate rules, rule sets. No, that's what, that's what I'm saying. There are a lot of people who are game developers. There are so many games that are on the marketplace, but nobody plays them because they suck. That's very true. Yeah. Or they're not Madden. EA Sports. <laughs> it's in the game. So. They're not Flappy Bird or Fortnite. Yeah. When that kid got killed because of Flappy Bird, I thought society was at a low. Yeah. What about Minecraft? That was in the same space of time, span of time. Yeah. I don't understand why kids are so aggressively going backwards in things that they like. Like graphics, Fortnite's graphics are like very, very, very mediocre. Well, I mean, uh, Team Fortress was like that, really cartoony. Yeah, that's true. But Team Fortress was after my heyday as well. I'm used to like, mm -hmm. make it real, baby. I want to see the sweat glisten off of their nose. Like, I want to not know if I'm playing a video game or living someone else's life. But not anymore, man. Minecraft looked like some from a damn Atari. No Minecraft. Anyways. I think they let they let kids play with like the fundamental building blocks. You know, like Legos were a big thing when I was a kid, and kids don't really have like Legos aren't really they're cool still, I guess. But you know, kids like being on on computers, and Minecraft is the closest thing to Lego meets computers. It's very true. I've seen some intricate stuff on Minecraft. Yeah. Yep. Same thing with Fortnite. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fortnite's growing on me, you know. I've been shitting on it for a solid two months, but uh, you and I played recently. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't terrible. It's actually kind of kind of fun. Like, I think you just, fun you just need to don't, don't focus on the actual graphics and focus on the the critical thinking of of all the things that are going on in the actual gameplay. At least that's how I look at it. Yeah. 
Okay. This isn't a show about Fortnite, though. But speaking of Fortnite, this is on you again, Jesse. Here we go. Speaking of Fortnite, cryptocurrency price indexes explained. Wait, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. But this, what is a cryptocurrency price index? Okay. What is a cryptocurrency price index? It's a website or platform that lists the price and capitalization info of various cryptocurrencies. Popular examples are CoinMarketCap, WorldCoin Index, and CryptoCompare. These sites are mainly used for the instant price information they provide on multiple cryptocurrencies, but are also a good source of information for benchmarking, monitoring, and comparing growth the growth of the various cryptocurrency assets. Now, I thought there was a news article talking about how CoinMarketCap was actually uh, publishing an exchange's data that was actually... Um, they were playing Falsified. around with their numbers. Yeah, and then... Um, Coin market cap came out and said, "Yeah, you can't do that." Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So, um, says, uh, go ahead. Yeah, depending on the listing criteria of individual price indexes, they might provide details on all coins and tokens available on the market, or just certain ones which comply with the criteria, such as being available on public exchanges with a sufficient level of trading volume. Um, and then another. Another site that's actually a good example is onchaineffects.com. Another site that is similar to CoinMarketCap and all those other examples that gives you a price indexes. So these, I think these places are trying to be the NYSC and the CBOE and the SIMI of the crypto world. Um, You know what I mean? Like if you look, if you take a look at OnChainFX, which does it better than anyone, they have indices all across the left, right? They have um, the Bletchley 10, the Bletchley 20, the Bletchley 40. Those are indexes of like they're, like I said earlier, baked in algorithms on what they think the price should be with a basket of conditionals, right? And so, uh, you know, it's almost like, it's weird because it's such a contradictory thing, right? Like I would buy a price that represented all of the lending tokens, but I don't want to buy the individual lending tokens. So maybe that's, it's weird. Maybe, maybe there are, so there's something to ETS. So let's keep it moving. Mm. All right, going to the last article for Monday. Blockchain enters, quote, trough of disillusionment on Gartner's hype scale. This is uh, written by. That was nice. Mu Yao Shen with 310 retweets and two Reddit shares. Interest in blockchain technology is waning. Research firm Gartner said in its latest, quote, hype cycle for emerging technologies report, Gartner included blockchain along with four other emerging technologies as one of five trends that can blur the lines between humans and machines, according to a news release on August 20th. Blockchain technology is at the edge of the, quote, trough of disillusionment phase in the cycle, though it predicts that the technology may reach the, quote, plateau of productivity within the next decade. The trough of disillusionment means that interest in the technology wanes as experiments and implementations fail to deliver. 
producers of the technology shake out or fail. Investments continue only if the surviving providers improve their products to the satisfaction of early adopters, as explained on Gartner's website. So why why is is the Gartner's hypes is the Gartner hype scale an actual legitimate measurement tool, or is this just like this guy tooting his own horn? No, no, no. It, it's, uh, it's a legitimate measurement tool. Um, a lot of it also works. I mean, it it it, it expands. Um, a lot of disciplines, right? A lot of disciplines. There's, you know, in be, in behavioral management, you can use the Gartner hype cycle to kind of manage new changes that you want to make in your workplace. There's a there's a there's a uh, derivative of the the Gartner hype cycle, but it basically says like people get really really excited, then they get kind of delusional because things can seem like there's a new normal and nothing really changed. And then you have to like show them that the changes are happening and then they get really, really, really fucking excited, almost euphoric. And then they just repeat that pro- process over and over and over again. It's a psychological thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, although psychology is a newer science, it is a science nonetheless. And typically though, you could take the Gartner hype cycles and fasten them. Well, what, I, what I'm asking more is along the lines of this Gartner hype cycle. Like I've heard it, like, like it's it is it is just a market cycle. If you look at like yeah. what they're actually yeah. showing on a graph, right? It's just the normal right. hype cycle. But and Gartner is just a company, right? This is true. So why when fact. they say like Gartner hype cycle is not like it's not something that they came up with. It's something that naturally occurs on the market. So why? It's a good question. Let's see who. I attribute uh, who, that to them. Gardner hype cycle inventor. But it's not Gardner. Just a hype cycle, right? Uh, there's two here. Hype cycle is a branded graphical representation developed by used by American Research uh, Advisory and Information Technology from firm Gartner. Oh yeah, is. It is pre- developed and used by American Research Advisory and Information Technology firm Gartner. So this was made by Gartner Incorporated. And Gartner Incorporated, it says, oh, Wikipedia is getting good, man. You're welcome for the Bitcoin that I sent you, by the way. There's a little pop-up here that says, Gartner Incorporated is a global research and advisory firm providing insights, advice, and tools for leaders in IT, finance, HR, customer service, and support, legal and compliance, mark So everything. They do everything. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'm, uh, it's just a bunch of smart mathy guys crunching numbers and coming up with uh, words to match the numbers so before before this company called Gartner attributed was attributed that graph to them the hype cycle graph to them was there nobody else before that just kind of looked at any market and saw that same trend emerge or no this is a good question. Let's say Gartner Inc.'s competitors. I'm using my fucking Google foo here. Who are Gartner's major competitors and how are I? So this is from askwonder.com. Probably not a very good resource, but let's look into this. Uh, let's see here. Findings. Uh This is all from Gartner. 
This has nothing to do with who our their competitors are. It's like shock, gotcha, bitch. It's us. So if you look at if you look at the uh, search, not hype cycle, but if you look at the search market cycle um, or business cycle, it's the same thing. So it must be like the word hype and the phrase hype cycle is the only differentiator. Yeah. So. I mean, I literally use something just like this when I was going through as a consultant, a management consultant. And whenever it came to the time of the project, when we talked about performance management, which is a mm -hmm. term for who are your high performers and who are your low performers and why you would figure out where they are on this on this curve. And it was it's, it's like a it's almost a copy paste. But of course, you change the wording to fit the industry that you're in. And really, all it says is in a nutshell is humans are cyclical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. We go up and we go down, and you can the cycles only change in their phase. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if you take a wave and you shift it left and right. You know, you're fucking. You got. I'm sorry, I didn't need to say that. I just tried to explain waves to an electrical engineer, ladies and gentlemen. That's not. <laughs> that's, that's, oh, I'm good. Sometimes I need explanations. Get out of here. Now I feel terrible. Like last week when I think I got racist. Or was that two weeks ago? It's almost weekly now. Okay. So moving on to Tuesday. Yeah. Speaking of Tuesday. U.S. Oh, that is not a good picture. U.S. senators raise crypto mining concerns and propose government blockchains. So this is a terrible idea off the bat. But it was cohorted by Nikolish Day and Mu Yao Shen. Uh, members of the U.S. Senate Committee on, I'm sorry, this is a CoinDesk article. We're not trying to get sued. Members of the U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources asked about the cause of cryptocurrency mining and the opportunities for blockchain in the public sector on Wednesdays. Uh, on Wednesday, like other crypto related hearings on Capitol Hill, which featured a range of public and private sector speakers, served in part as an informational session for lawmakers who aren't really paying attention and don't care that much. So mining concerns, the foremost risk discussed at the hearing revolved around the energy needs of cryptocurrency miners, uh, networks relying on proof of work, which require the expense of energy to prove that work has been completed. Work is in quotation marks. Uh, so many damn quotation marks generally require large amounts of energy, such as the Bitcoin blockchain, according to, this senator, Miss Golden, ironic name. She asked, "Can we anticipate the consumer rates and the concern that some might have that my family and I might not be the ones that benefit from blockchain and Bitcoin? And yet, I'm wondering, are my rates going to be expected to pay for this infrastructure? I mean, that's a legitimate question. What do you think, Jess? Sorry, I'm reading another article. Um." What was the question? Are you trying? You trying to trying to zoom through? He's trying to <laughs> zoom, 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 zoom. Uh, the question is: Do you feel like your electricity rates should trickle into subsidizing miners? Uh, there's a lot of. So I don't know if you knew that. Well, you probably do know this, but electricity rates um, could actually be substantially lower than they are right now in almost every state. I did not I know think. this. Explain. Yeah, so uh, like at least in in the in the south, right in the in the southeast, there's 
the the capacity that power plants are being utilized is like at max like twenty to thirty percent right, right now. Um, so, so they're making if, a lot of money. They're they're making money. Yeah, they make they're making money. Electricity doesn't have to be this cheap. It could be or this uh, expensive in quotes. Like it could be cheaper. So I mean, just yeah, just food for thought. I mean, energy is not that expensive. Like anywhere really breakthrough of electricity that you get a lot of bang for a little buck when it comes to electricity it can do so many things well it depends on like where you're getting your power from like in the southeast there's a lot of nuclear power plants and like the northwest there's a lot of uh renewable um i mean there's more renewables right more and more yep um whether it's solar wind yeah or hydro so Oh, yeah. I read this article today by CNN Money. If you have a pulse and a driver's license, you could be making six figures a year in the oil industry reboom in West Texas. Ooh. Yeah. So go out there and uh, get lung cancer. I'm kidding. That's not, I don't think that's how it works. I'm sorry if anybody has. Uh... Speaking of different articles on Tuesday, when capitulation. When capitulation, three ways Bitcoin's bear market might end. It's a picture of a bunch of gummy bears. Four different colors. Uh, this is by Sam Oemet. 326 tweets, one Reddit number. It's an understatement to say the current price of the world's largest cryptocurrency pales when compared to its past glories. At 6,700, Bitcoin is down roughly 60% from its all-time high. Gasp. That said, huh? I thought we are on Tuesday, the second article. Oh, you're on the third article. Yeah, we are on the third article, man. We're cooking with grease this week, man. People got got, uh, raisin canes to eat and babies to feed. All right. Uh, It's an understatement to say that, okay, I just read that. Um, (laughs) That said, market (laughs) conditions aren't the same as they've been in years past. Indeed, Bitcoin's 2017 boom has brought new attention and with it, traders and investors who are left wondering if the asset can ever return to former glory. Certainly, there's no shortage of ways to approach the question, but one effective method is to look at the charts for historical patterns that could speak to investor psychology and perhaps yield valuable hints and clues about future performance. Um, applying these theories, a market might be expected to bottom more quotes or reach a new low after a speculative bubble bursts in a moment after referred to as capitulation, consisting of extreme selling over a short time period. The infamous 2014 Bitcoin bear market finally bottomed out after it lost more than 40% of its value in less than three days at the top of 2015. Uh, it's very similar to that scene in The Shining, when the red blood comes from the elevators. Um, I haven't actually seen The Shining. Oh, boy. You're in for a hoot. You're in Not for a holler and a hoot. <laughs> yeah. So there's three. I'm not going to go into the theories, you know, but I'm going to say what they are. One theory is we've seen the worst of this bear market. Okay. The second is 3K to 5K is still in play. So there's room to lose more purchasing power. And the third is the 1K doomsday. Um, doomsday. Yeah, 1K would be um, 
1K would be something that would be a first for Bitcoin, and it would be brand new territory. Because Ooh, after hype cycles, okay. the price never returns to the previous high of the hype cycle, right? So that would be time for you to go out and get a job. <laughs> Doom. And then you can be that guy in the office. They're like, hey, man, w- w- tell me about your history. you be like, crazy story. Bitcoin. And then they'll walk out of the room. So, yeah. Damn. <laughs> all right tuesday speaking was me of, wednesday is you I, I, yep speaking of a brand new world apple co-founder uh apple co-founder says crypto world quote like the internet when it was brand new written by c edward kelso with 7733 views Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, along with Steve Jobs, recently announced his participation in a crypto startup. During the interview, Mr. Wozniak also spoke about cryptocurrencies and why he is excited about their prospects for the future. Apple's Wozniak is, yeah, okay, so I like to keep up with things. Steve Wozniak, 68, famed computer engineer and co-founder of Apple, explained at the Chain Exchange blockchain convention recently in an interview bitcoin caught my attention it had so many unusual aspects for any technology i had ever heard of nobody is really known to be the creator it doesn't have any centralized component it's based on mathematics there's a certain number of bitcoin that can ever exist was and then talks about gives you a little bit of his bio um he says mathematics to me is like nature Waz continued in his admiration for Bitcoin. It's much better than human beings. I trust those things of nature more than what man makes up. Man makes up currencies, controls them, issues new U.S. dollars every year. Bitcoin was immune to that. He says was. Does he know something? Come again? That last Uh, part? Yeah. Sorry, I was reading another article. No worries, no worries. So (laughs) Wozniak talks about... How uh, man makes up currencies, controls them, issues new U.S. dollars every year. Bitcoin was immune to that. I wonder if he thinks that Bitcoin was absorbed by by fiat, or if he's just uh, speaking to how when he first uh, discovered it. Stop putting words in the man's mouth. God okay. damn it! But it makes it more interesting. <laughs> this is a pretty this is a pretty boring article he's just he's a he's an advisor for a for a new crypto oh i mean i just wanted the people to know there's too many wozniaks and not enough steves in this industry so i uh, just want to that's night me a shirt that i make one day and yeah. joe blue if you're listening uh from the slack one thank you for Sounds tuning like into the slack it's blau wait like hold on gunshot like joe blau 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 like that I thought it. Never mind. You're probably right. I'm thinking of probably you EJ. I think you are right. Joe. Yeah, it's Blau. Oh, sorry, Joe. I put an E in your name for some reason because that's how you spell blue. Joe Blau. 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 Um. Yeah. Anyways, too many Wozniaks, not enough Steves. That's crypto in a nutshell. Do we need a marketer? Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, we need 
we need to get some damn t-shirts printed is what we need is what mm-hmm. we need uh, u.s congresswoman reveals she bought ether and litecoin last year damn right go america U.S. Representative Tulsi Gabbard of Hawaii bought Litecoin and Ether late last year. A recently published financial disclosure shows. Ah, this is uh, written by Nicholas Day and has 444 retweets and 14 Reddit shares. In a financial disclosure report filed on August 14th, Gabbard revealed that she bought more than a thousand dollars in Ethereum and Litecoin last December. The specific amounts of each token that she bought were not disclosed. Though the form noted that her holdings for each are between a thousand and one and fifteen thousand under the assets and unearned income category. So I wonder if she, I guess she bought at the high. It says uh, both Ethereum and Litecoin also appeared on the transaction categories, confirming that she bought the tokens on December twelfth, twenty seventeen. Ethereum's price reached a high of 659 and a low of 526 on that day, according to the data from Mar- uh, CoinMarketCap. At press time, it was trading at roughly $278. Similarly, Litecoin traded at a low of 230 and a high of 339 on that day, while trading at $55 as of press time. Ooh, $55. Interesting. What? I like it when you say that. Well, you say look, that. look at the hundred dollar spike difference. I wonder if like a memo went out to like everybody, like, "Hey, buy now," and then they they all bought, and that was like, oh, I wouldn't doubt it. That was when everybody cashed out, or everybody who was going to cash out cashed out. I wouldn't doubt it, man. Uh, that's the thing about crypto is it, 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 although it's slightly more resistant to some of the same uh, cronyism. It's still got a little touch of that going on, you know. You don't hear that's a good idea, though, right? Very much. What do you mean? Like if you get if you get people who already have money that they're not like they're not going to miss it, right? And they can they can form the new base essentially, yeah. Right during the dip because they don't really care. Hmm. Yeah. That's called level five pump and dump, my friend. Level five. Yeah. Speaking of legislative bodies, oh, I see. Bitcoin ETFs rejected again. SEC denies nine hopefuls and three decisions. These are facts. It's actually not a legislative body. It's just a uh, what do you call it? Enforcement agency, I guess. I don't know. All right. So written by C. Edward Kelso, twenty hours ago, with five thousand nine views. The United States Securities and Exchange Commission has issued three published decisions covering nine different Bitcoin ETF. Applications put forward by direct, uh, Direction, ProShares, and Granite Shares were rejected along largely the same lines of argument. Bitcoins, Bitcoin ETFs denied in three published decisions. The heavily footnoted rejection document runs some 24 pages, but the heart of the matter very well could be tucked away on page 22 under the heading, quote, protecting investors and the public interest. In its analysis section, the SEC notes, quote, the commission acknowledges that compared to trading in unregulated Bitcoin spot markets, trading a Bitcoin-based ETF on a national securities exchange may provide some additional protection to investors. The concern many Bitcoin mainstreaming enthusiasts 
point out as a reason to join enough to join regulated exchanges. Mm-hmm. And long article. It, man, that would suck to like have to write that huge twenty-four page document when you know, like, like they just want to say no. And mm-hmm. really, it, it's there's not, a lot of copy and paste in the world. Yeah. That's a copy pasta. Okay, that's good for them then. They do, evidently, yeah, huh? They probably have like ten different rejection formats, and then they do a copy pasta and a find replace. Yeah, probably. That's I've been watching a lot of Suits. You know that show called Suits? Oh, yeah. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah, I like that show. It seems like there's just like a lot of paperwork for lawyers to have to do. Mm, copy pasta. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Colin uh, for that, by the way. What? Copy pasta. He told me about that as a phrase, and now I love it. I'm like, oh, that's just a copy pasta away from being complete. Yeah, yeah, copy pasta is like, have you seen the copy pasta ASCII art? No. What? Okay. How do I Google this? Copy pasta. A-S-C-I-I art. Oh, man. You teach me something new? Yeah, this is like before memes were picture pictures. It was all in like ASCII. This is like. You teach yeah. me something new every week, Jesse. Welcome. You're sage. There's a Will Smith copy pasta. I'm putting in this in the Slack right now. <laughs> Wait, where'd you put it? Random? Oh, in no. You put it in there. Uh, it's great. I'm starring this. This is going to be fun for me. Elaine's going to be like, you're not supposed to put that there. Corey's going to get on you. Corey, get on him. Corey is too busy being status's numero up there to worry Uh, about what's going on in the Slack. This is amazing, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you very much. No problem. There's seven pages of this. So much. Okay. uh, All right. I gave you some pretty cool articles for Thursday. So Yeah. So Jesse just said that I picked the rest of the articles. So thank you, Jesse, for giving everybody <laughs> the secret sauce to our pre-production. Um, so sp- speaking of Thursday's articles, uh, Jamie Redman, uh, 2,116 views, which for Bitcoin.com is relatively low. If you want to think about how much it is really low. Yeah, it's 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 pretty low. Sorry, Jamie. Uh, you must be stressed, man. Have some coffee. Bitmain unveils new 18 terahash water-cooled Bitcoin miner. 18 terahash. Jeez. What happened to Moore's Law? What do you mean? What the hell? I thought these things were supposed to be slowing down on production. Or is it that they're not and they're already factored in so they're getting VC money to subsidize the research and development for the next generation's chip and selling the old generation chip. Do, do, do. Thank you. That was my uh, conspiracy. That was good. That was good. Yeah. Uh, that was good, man. I like that. Oh, um, I got <laughs> on, August, on August 23rd, uh, 
the, the China-based firm Bitmain Technologies revealed the company's latest mining device, the Antminer S9 Hydro. The new, the new manufactured rig is a water-cooled SHA-256 miner, not to be confused with SHI-256, uh, that commands a hash rate of around 18 trillion hashes per second. Woo! 18 trillion hashes a second. Think about how fast. You can't think about how fast that is. The human brain isn't capable of it. Take a second, divide it by 18 trillion. Can you, can, you, can you imagine how slow that would be if that were frames? It'd be like something wasn't moving. Yeah. It'd be like something was just teleporting slowly. Oh my goodness, science. So over the past few months, numerous companies have been revealing new and more efficient Bitcoin miners. Firms like GMO Group, Inisilicon, Halong, Bang, and Kanan all uh, uh that's how you say them all have revealed new devices making the cryptocurrency mining industry very competitive uh why everyone says this is just worth nothing and proof of work is useless is beyond me but this is literally the whole thing propping most of this up one of the largest mining companies in the world bitmain technologies has also been releasing miners but most of them have been for various alternative cryptocurrency algorithms now bitmain has revealed its latest ant miner s9 hydro that utilizes an innovative water cooling system uh also known as a uh what are those things called in your car the keep the engine cool. Damn. Why is that just leaving my head right now? Not a carburetor, definitely. Uh the you put the antifreeze in radiator. Okay. So mm -hmm. they put they attached radiators to the miners. Ding 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 ding. Uh, and probably heat sinks or something, who knows. Um the the it's less noisy and more energy efficient according to the company that sells it. <laughs> So why don't they just use like these for like water heaters? They should just they should just stack a bunch of these together so that you can actually heat like 20, 30, 40 gallons of water and then start putting these in people's homes. Well, well, Jesse, that's because with ideas like that, that's that's why I hang out with you, because I know we're going to be on the moon when you keep having ideas like that, my friend. <laughs> I'm serious, man. We're going to be living on a moon, and we're not going to have moon Lambos. We're going to have moon Maseratis, baby. Whoa. Maseratis are not as expensive as Lambos, are they? That's because you and I are reasonable men. That's because we're reasonable men, and we don't need a Lambo. But a Maserati would be neat. A moon Maserati. Yeah. The alliteration kicks ass, doesn't it? Yeah, I like that. Think about it. My moon Maserati. What if you get a, Maser a Maserati and then you like wrap it with like a moon? That's a moon and then, Maserati. And then your license plate, you just put BTCMN. That's a magnef. That is a magnificent moon Maserati, my friend. Alliteration. That'd be awesome. Um, the Ooh. the question is. That you're asking, why the fuck not? Like, my water heater element just went out the other day. I feel like if it's going to be heating my, like, body up as I shower, why not try and mine some Bitcoin? Why not throw my water heater into a pool and mine some Bitcoin? I, I That's what I'm thinking. I don't know. Maybe you're ahead of your time, man. You tend to Maybe. be. So, speaking of being ahead of your time... 
you're living in Friday and listening to Thursday's news. Oh, listener, don't you feel like you're in the future? The World Bank is about to settle a blockchain bond worth 73 million United States dollars. Uh, so, so, so let's talk. Wolfie Zhao, 412 tweets, 48 Reddit numbers. Um, this is pretty good for CoinDesk. This is from Wolf, our, our boy Wolfie Zhao, building up quite the uh, portfolio there, Wolfie. We see you. The World Bank is expected to settle its first blockchain-based bond worth $73 million this month. Um, that is a lot of money to settle on a blockchain, uh, but not really. Bitcoin does stuff like that a lot. Australia's Commonwealth Bank, ComBank, uh, which was selected as the sole arranger of the issuance of the World Bank early in August that the bond is said to be transacted on August 28th, as reported by Routers. Engineered to bring a 2.2% return, the two-year bond dubbed Bondi is the first exploration by the World Bank into using blockchain as the supporting technology for automating the issuance process among multiple parties. So, Why do they say engineered to bring a 2.2% instead of saying like economized? Like there should be like a verb describing economists' actions that, that result in this bond mm-hmm. creation. Versus saying engineered. Yeah, I think the verb would, or the adverb would be mathematically. Designed, yeah, there you go. Mathematically designed by economists who think that they can fix money. Maybe not because math scares people sometimes. So maybe the word should be econometricized. Ooh, I like it. Econometricized? Oh, shit. We're making words. (laughs) Econ... econometricized Ooh. yeah well econ- econometrics is a thing i believe let me okay. google this real quick make sure i'm not <laughs> talking words. out of my ass <laughs> so it's so yeah. the world bank what it, like so econometrics the branch of econ- econ- economics concerned with the use of mathematical methods especially statistics in describing economic systems so maybe econometricized <laughs> can be a word I like it. So wait, did you know that the World Bank, the headquarters are in Washington, D.C.? Oh, no. The plot thickens. I did not know that. That's bananas. But it doesn't make it does make sense, right? Because after World War Two, when we were like, hey, we're going to hold everybody's gold. Y'all cool with that? Oh, wait, your country's in shambles. So you don't really have a choice but to be cool with that. Our country's not in shambles. Yeah, I don't. I thought I thought the U.S. gave gold to like France and Germany to help yeah, them. Then we hold it all in Fort Knox for a while, and then that that rule changed as well. Like we started like giving it, giving it back to the countries. Well, the only reason I thought that we we gave away gold back to countries was one to help them um, rebuild infrastructure, and also the reason why we stopped is because uh, the the U.S. wanted to control. Like it was it was depleting our. Our, our our backing for our dollar and we were down to like 20 percent or 18 percent mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we were like we oh we should take thing. the dollar yeah exactly mm-hmm. um you're wrong you're right we're both probably not all the way right and probably a lot wrong There's, we probably made a yeah. historian right now just like try and find us and, and murder us with words <laughs> but um wait so what is so um econometrics 
No, no, World Bank. So what it's because like I, World Bank, its parent organization is United Nations. Headquarters, Washington, D.C. Purpose is credit. President is this uh, South Korean guy. CEO is this Bulgarian lady. What's the difference between the IMF and and the World Bank? The International Monetary Fund and the World Bank? Yeah, one so, is a so fund again. and one is a bank. You don't know words? <laughs> So parent organization is, again, the U.N., and it's, again, headquartered in Washington, D.C. Really? No, IMF yeah. isn't located in D.C. IMF yeah, it is, is somewhere in Europe. No, no, no. Look, Google it. The IMF is an international organization headquartered in Washington, D.C., consisting of 189 countries working to foster oh, global monetary cooperation. How long again? Blah, blah. The International Monetary Fund, the international organization headquartered in Washington, D.C. So what's the difference between the IMF and the World Bank as far as their purposes? To make things more confusing than how Bitcoin works and people wonder why Bitcoin is so confusing and it blows my damn mind because I'm like, it's really not that confusing. Uh, how does the World <laughs> Bank work? Answer that question to me and then then let's talk. The World Bank is an international financial institution that provides loans to countries of the world for it's the same projects. Thing. No, a fund, you don't give loans of a fund. A fund is something you pull from and you add to. You pull oh, here. from a IMF. fund okay, okay, here, a fund here, here. out to so, people. The IMF was founded uh, in 1945 in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. Bretton Woods, Carroll, New Hampshire. 1945. Now, when was the World Bank created? Oh, World Bank yeah, was created in, in 1944. The plot thickens. Do you think so because were... we have the world's like financial entities headquarters here in the States is why everyone loves and hates us at the same time? Kind of like so, so, so get this, get this. Both the both the IMF and World Bank group were both conceived out of the Bretton Woods Monetary Conference. In 1944. Yep, yep. The okay. president of the World Bank is traditionally an American. The World Bank and the IMF are both based in Washington, D.C. and closely and work closely together. Um, here, what is the original purpose? That was one year before 1945. Conceived in 1944 at the Bretton Woods Monetary Conference in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, the World Bank's initial aim was to help rebuild European countries devastated by World War II. Its first loan was to France in 1947 for post-war reconstruction. So, yeah, this was telling you about um, infrastructure rebuilding, and especially to France. Um, gold was given to France. But I wonder if the World Bank... I love gold. Let's see. Why is the World Bank important? Dude, um, all, all we're doing is like... Uh, yeah. I dare someone to try to understand the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund in an afternoon. Yet, someone comes okay. to you with the idea of Bitcoin and its principles, and you think it's blasphemy? It's like, wait, 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 whoa, wait, whoa. That doesn't make any sense, logically. Anyways, um, go on. Apparently, apparently, both the IMF and World Bank, their purpose is to raise living standards 
in member countries, which are the countries that are middle-income countries, which <clears throat> means per capita incomes of between $1,500 and $5,400. Um, Wait, say and that one more time, middle-income countries? Yeah, middle-income <laughs> countries. And it says countries with per capita incomes between $1,500 and $5,500 U.S. dollars. And poorer countries termed as, quote, credit-worthy, borrow from the IBRD. While the poorest countries with per capita incomes of less than the U.S. borrow from the IDE. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, so different countries with different GDPs have to borrow from different banks. Different banks. And the World Bank provides low-interest loans, interest-free credit and grants, and it focuses on improving education, health, and infrastructure. It also uses funds to modernize a country's financial sector, agriculture, and something, something. Dude, money runs so deep. Jeez. So, which countries have the most debt? Um, the U.S.? So the U.S. has $14.6 trillion. This is as of 2010. Because I think we're now at twenty trillion, and then okay, so this is old. I don't care about those metrics anyway. Have you ever seen the world debt clock? Yeah, I've seen that. Um, how much loan Pakistan has taken from World Bank? World Bank approves twelve billion dollars five year loan for Pakistan finance minister. Do 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 dispersed over five years. Global lender twenty fourteen. So, okay, the primary difference between the IMF and the World Bank lies in their respective purposes and functions. The IMF exists primarily to stabilize exchange rates, while the, while the World Bank's goal is to reduce poverty. Huh. Well, the only way you stabilize exchange rates is by buying up a country's currency, right? With a more stable currency? Um... Say that one more time. So, like, how do you stabilize an exchange rate? You buy up the country's um, currency. No, you let the market be free, and it naturally finds us in equilibrium. <laughs> okay, so anyway, you know how, like, like, like the Turkish lira, like, took a nosedive, right? Yeah. Okay, so, like, if, if the World Bank, or rather, if the IMF was trying to stabilize the exchange rate of the lira, how would they help them? By buying up their money, right? Yeah, you buy up their debt, right? And then you're like, hey, we got you we got you covered, fam. Well, do you buy up their debt or do you buy up their actual money? Because that would Depends be on how shady you're trying to be. How how much of a stake are you trying to have in this country? So like how did okay, and maybe this is a discussion for off the podcast, but I'm curious, like, did Greece borrow money from the World Bank or IMF? I thought they borrowed money from Germany. Let me see. Well, Germany was like propping up the European markets for a while there. And Germany got tired of giving money to Greece. So they said, listen here, Grecians. Shout out to George W. Bush. We don't like that we're giving you loans. So we don't want to do it anymore. Okay, here we go. So Greece owes money to a number of countries and organizations following two bailouts, one in 2010 and another in 2012. The bailout funds totaled 220 billion uh, euro. Oh. One, most of which hasn't been paid back. Greece owes about $56 billion to Germany, yep. $42 billion to France, $37 billion to Italy, and $25 billion euros to Spain. So yeah. basically, the whole European in section paid them out. 
so I guess they didn't borrow from uh, the I. Well, hold on. Comparatively, Greece owes $352 billion to foreign investors. It owes its top two foreign creditors, the EU and the IMF, roughly $264 million, 75% of it. So, okay, so the IMF did fund them. The IMF gave them $264.5 million. Uh, the, the EU and IMF, I, IMF. So countries must fund other countries through the IMF as far as stabilizing their currency. It sounds like it's like a bunch of countries come together and then put money down to buy up that country's debt. That is, that does sound, what it, that is what it sounds like. So it's like an exchange. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like an exchange for debt between countries. Yeah, it's, it's not cool at the end of the huh. day. Interesting. The debt clock always fascinates me. I think, always. yeah, the debt clock is interesting, but it, what, what's interesting to me is like how all these countries, why and how much they owe everybody else and why don't they just pay it back as fast as possible i mean debt is good but i don't understand the game that they're playing you know they're all playing some you know geopolitical economic like i don't know if we're supposed to man i think they're just kind of banking on us living and like they're like hey here's the trade-off uh we're gonna make sure that your lights turn on tomorrow and uh we got all these guns and stuff to make sure, like, if somebody else has bigger guns uh, than you, we have bigger guns than them. And in exchange for us keeping these lights on and having bigger guns than the people that want to hurt you, you're just going to work and pay us money. And that's the ball game. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, I think that could be, that's the Dr. Seuss version of global economy. Yeah. I don't know. This this episode feel like it took a, took a sad turn from uh, the jazz midnight rain. Bill. <laughs> we got one oh. last article. Yeah, yeah. Let's wrap this up. Sorry, guys. We took a huge detour to go into uh, global economy is how much little we know about it, but try yeah. to understand. Uh, you go ahead and take this one, man. This is all you. Okay. PR, the new era of jewelry pioneered by the Pure Diamond blockchain project. You this article? Wait, what? Yeah, this, this is, is not a, a Jesse release. article. Never mind. This looks cool because it looked like, uh, like it, I thought that it was going to be a uh, tying diamonds on the blockchain, but it is, but it's a paid article. Never mind. Yeah, that's not a Jesse style right there. Jesse don't like fluff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, this is interesting. I just want to, I don't want to read about the article, but they're talking about how, um, uh, apparently it's talking about they want how they want Japanese laboratories to diamonds. Interesting. Wait, lab-grown, lab-grown diamonds. diamonds versus regular diamonds? Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Who cares? It seems about like the it's. I don't know. Well, uh, diamonds aren't even that big of a deal. Like, there's a lot of diamonds in the world. 
Yeah, no, there definitely are. <gasps> That's the genius, Jesse. We need what? to somehow market something that should be useless as valuable and sell it to a group of people. Hmm. Have you seen Strawless? Some guy like to cater to all the people who are part of the no straw movement. He made this like sippy cup thing. Sippy cup for grown people. Yeah, it's called Strawless. Oh, he can take that and he can kick rocks with that. I ain't drinking out of no sippy cup. All right. My my nephew drinks out of it. My niece drinks out of a sippy cup. She's three. Okay. <laughs> no. You remember um, those cocoa those cocoa uh, straws that you can like sip milk through them and they taste like chocolate? And then you can uh, like chew them? Yes, I do. Yeah, those are yes, the best. What would be something that's not valuable that we could say is like precious and valuable and sell to, to a bunch of people? Your time. <laughs> My time? Is that a joke? <laughs> no, 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 no. What I was saying is like their time. Like what oh, if what time. if you what if you find a way to like well that's that's what retreats are, right? You just find a way to package their time and sell it back to them. Like this is a yoga, meditation, nature, rebond with your reality retreat. And then they have a person who talks about being more centered and more grounded. <laughs> Sorry if you run retreats and listen to our show. Uh, we just found your hack. So I think you should make an app that's just you talking about your opinion on different things. I would like I would think I would pay two dollars every six months for that app. Wait, I can I can make that. I can make that actually happen. Yeah. Like just like it would be a random Jesse opinion. Like you push the button and it's just your face <laughs> in like the mouth flaps. That talks yeah. about like what your opinion is, and it's like, yeah. oh, I wonder what Jesse's opinion is on on Fruit Loops. Well, you know, Fruit Loops is just basically food dye on top of baked sugar. So, <laughs> uh, you know, eat your heart out. Literally, you're gonna die. And then, like the, like the, the next opinion is like, retreats are just repackaged. They're just repackaging your useless time and selling it back to you. So. <laughs> it would be perfect. I bet you somebody would turn into a show like Seinfeld. I didn't. I didn't sell it to you like that. But the way you repackaged what I said was actually pretty good. And we we should do that. That would be pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. Just just push a button for a Jesse opinion, a random Jesse opinion. I would. I'm like that. the better version of Alexa. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or or let's not even say Siri. Jeez, Siri, get your life together. Uh, <laughs> Like, hey, Jesse. And you're like, what's up, man? What can I do you for? And then you're like, uh, tell me more about the World Cup. And you're like, oh, let me see what I can find for you. <laughs> and then it says, what you always say is like, interesting. <laughs> and then you come back and you're like, yeah, I mean, the World Cup is basically just this giant scam propped up by different governments of the world to try and siphon money every four years into their pockets and then leave the country with with absolutely nothing. So, yay, World Cup. Next opinion. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, man. All right, guys. Um, we're going to leave you with your life. Enjoy your Friday night. Uh Go econometricize something, which is fancy for coming up with a bunch of math to uh, underpin some sort of value that you've derived from something that probably actually has value. So, um, 
Yeah, good show. All right. <laughs> you going to do the outro this time or no? Oh, I thought we're, we're still rolling. That was usually you don't end it like that. Oh, how do I usually end it? I kind of forgot. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Plugs. Uh, uh, yeah, usually you do the plugging, like plug the main show, plug the. Yeah. Oh, so let's do some plugs. Uh, the Bitcoin podcast. That's the flagship. It's been going for three and a half years. Um, what's very funny is like all every single blockchain slash crypto influencer in the world we've interviewed sometimes multiple times. You can go dig in that back catalog. There's a lot of juicy goodness in there. Um, but recently, as of last year, we started the Bitcoin podcast network. We have lots of shows. Uh, 12 of them to be exact. Um, we have hashing it out, uh, which is a technical deep dive. Uh, it's our fastest growing in popularity show. So if you feel like you need to know just a little bit more about all that stuff that's under the covers when it comes to this technology, Corey and Colin do a great job of uh, outlining that for you. Uh, we have, of course, just the headers, which you just listened to, which is your favorite show. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, you are. Um, we also have On Ramping with D, a show that is incredibly hard for me to schedule people because normal people are not crypto heads like myself, and they have lives, and it is hard to pin down times to interview them. But if you know people, send them our way, please. Um, we have also Announcements, which is uh, just a show that's basically the QV, the Audible QVC of the blockchain industry. Uh, you can listen to a project, talk about themselves for about 30 minutes. Uh, we have uh, Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future, which is uh, Riesland Mark's own personal personal adventure to find like all of the projects in the blockchain space that are doing severely humanitarian efforts. Like for instance, there's one that's trying to measure the amount of O2 a farmer puts back into the atmosphere to credit them some ether, the beautiful stuff like that. Um, let's see. We also have our brand new show, the bullpen podcast, a, a crypto enthusiast, like myself, so many years ago, was so enthused by this industry, decided that he wanted to take it on and he wanted to interview people in the industry and he wanted to talk about his personal journey throughout learning about crypto. And his name is the Crypto Bully. You can find him in the Slack that you should join uh, on our webpage. Um, what else do we have, Bruin? Uh, DJ, NES, DJ's Never Ending Story, not DJ's nintendo entertainment system uh he makes really relaxing mixes for you guys if you're a trader or if you're somebody who just likes good music he'll talk a little bit about something going on in crypto or something that's going on that's in, that's affecting artists that are trying to make their living in crypto and then he hits you with some good mu music as well uh we have a show that we're starting up very soon that we're excited about um it is, it is going to be specifically catered to those that are wonder how blockchain industry is going to affect law and justice. Uh, so we're really excited about that show. Um, did I miss anything? Nope. So there's that. Um, we know we promised you guys that Jesse and I were going to be live streaming things, but that got put on hold due to some unforeseen circumstances. But we are looking forward to doing that as soon as we can. But we are grown adults with grown adult things. So, like, we're going to stream for a little while. If you catch it, you catch it. If you don't, you don't. If you have a hoot, tell everyone. Um, that's it. I'm going to go. 
hang out in the Slack and post some more Will Smith pictures and ask you. So um, that's all I got, man. Cool. Thanks everybody for listening. Hey, 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 are you even paying attention to me right now?